Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast with myself, comedian and writer Dane Baptiste, a modest comedian and writer, and my producer friend Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizza. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. We're talking everything from existentialism to philosophy to stories about the galaxy to conspiracy to rap to rock to polka, whatever you want to know about, we will ask the questions. On today's show, our guest is a comedian, a great comedian, who is the winner of Best Newcomer at the Black Entertainment Comedy Awards, the Leicester Square New Act of the Year, and joint winner of the Amuse Moose Laugh of Competition, or the People's Champion, as he was referred to. Mm. He's also appeared on a number of different TV shows, panel shows, and stand-up shows, and even has his own new show pilot based in Nigeria, his ancestral home. Good friend of mine and longtime brethren is Fumbi Omatayo. Wow, yeah. man. That was, thank you. That was a Talk special. Up the things. Talk up the things. Special intro. I was like, I did all of that. You've done it all, mate. <laughs> done it all on reflection. Well, well, otherwise, your website's lying. That's yes. all I can tell you. I was uh, like, I'm going to borrow a lot of those credits. Take them, man. Talk them up. It's, it's, it's actually special because I, I also have an additional podcast, uh, Quotes Full, mm. which I do with Fumbi. Yes. So, in a way, this is kind of like, it's like, I feel like, I, I kind of feel like, in a way, I'm like Method Man. Mm. And it's like an appearance <laughs> by like the Jizzle or, yeah. or whichever you're preferred. And I'm appearing on your little solo project. You know, when you bring in like... Yeah, I have to bring in the... Bring in the, bring <laughs> in the know, Rake one or one of them and them to come. Yeah, Is I that like who that you're one. saying Let's you do are? That. I, I'm, I, you, know, you want to be Ghostface? Ooh. Oh, that's, that's I'm Ghost, man. I'm right. Ghostface. <laughs> I'll take Ray. Tony, no, I'll take Ray. Ray's, yeah. Ray's a cool name, which I guess makes... Makes well makes Howard the Hizzer, of course. Oh, I know. The Hizzer, yeah. And makes K from Quotas Full, the Kizzer, who was one of the... Was the first guest... First guest on yeah, uh, yeah, on, really? on uh, Dave Matthews' okay, thing, yeah. Okay. First one that came through. He lives in Brixton, isn't it? So he was down the yeah. road, wasn't he? So he's down, he down the road, but also he was very valued. Big up to K in yeah. the house, uh, and big up to Fumbert in Adi Bloodcart, as he yes. is also known. <laughs> yeah, man, Fumbert in Adi Bloodcart. Sober case. How are you, Fumbi? How are you? As a, how is your uh, psychological and spiritual welfare? Wow. <laughs> now you know why because you like, sum that up really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Really quickly. Yeah. How, how are you as a person? I mean, you know what? I'm evolving. I feel like I'm evolving, man. Evolving. Yeah, it's good, man. Growth is always I'm good. I'm trying to evolve in this crazy world that changes daily. Yeah, mm. you know, it's good, man. Evolution, man. Key to survival. It's good. I, I, I'm jumping on this trend because uh, we also had the pleasure of having uh, Reggie Yates on the podcast, and he said, "How you doing?" And I was like, "And you always feel this need to like qualify yourself and be like, I'm working on this and this and this." Yeah. And this. he was just like, "No, nah, how are you?" doing yeah as a person so i, I, want, I want a trend to continue whereby that's dope, we uh, feed that's into dope. the emotional intelligence people don't, people of don't other take men. those things like for value anymore when you ask on how you doing you know we just kind of follow your instagram posts and your twitters and your and presume yeah yeah and, uh, and we so, create this narrative around or you. ask how you doing and even if you wanted to give a cut answer be like not so fucking well day no you shut up <laughs> at least you had the catharsis <laughs> of saying so you yeah, know? yeah. I, I, you, I think it's important i think if you followed me on on social media all you'd really see is my cat 
which would, you know, not really paint. I don't know what picture that really paints. <laughs> I mean, if you've got a cat in your life, you're always going to be a be- have a beta status yeah. anyway. So how I mean, you're I doing... I wish I'd give a shout out to her, but she's a cat. So right, she would have sure, no reference to this. But I mean, but... irrespective of if she was aware of it, she would have no concept of gratitude because she's a cat. Yeah. Assuming she's a she, right? Yeah, yeah, she's okay. she. Yeah, Prim, right. she's very good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I'm obsessed by cats, as, as, as Dane knows. They like the most talking about work because that's what you that's what you're saying is when you ask someone how they are often they'll just say oh yeah and I'm doing loads of stuff with my life that's really good yeah. <laughs> whereas a cat it doesn't give a fuck about you it's focused on its game it's got a very specific job guided by instincts catitude yeah. I love cats man catitude is honestly it's one of the people I respect man. most in the world is my cat because the focus she gives to her hunting which is her job yeah and sleeping yeah incredible focus that's it I love like, cats, like a lion you know yeah. you hunt and you rest. I have, like I said, I have a theory regarding catitude, as you know, mm. where I was watching something recently where uh, they were doing, uh, it was archeolo- archaeological uh, kind of dig or whatever, but they found like mummified remains of like young kids who had died from like appendicitis and abscess. And they also had been mummifying cats. Right. And um, obviously cats uh, were kind of deified in like Egyptian culture. Mm. And I feel, and even there's a goddess uh, called Sakhmet who has the head of a cat. Right. And um, I feel like cats are aware of this. I feel like somewhere in their DNA, yeah. they are aware that at some point they were datafied or they were held in high regard in society. And they're still trying to hold on to that. Yeah, life. they've never forgotten it. Yeah. They've not forgotten it. Whereas dogs know they're dickheads. Yeah. Well, dogs, yeah, dogs. Dog, well, I yeah. think dogs are aware that they uh, have a, a domesticated role. Yeah. Like you know, I think dogs have been easy to domesticate. I mean, because our dogs are—they come. I guess they're bred from wolves, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas cats, I guess they've probably held on to a lot more of their features. We have fucked up dogs, by the way. I don't know if you massively. We have really. We, we are man's best dogs. friend, but we have fucked them are up. They from, they're from. Are they from the same as the wolf clan? You know, like the hunting oh, well, dogs. They're, 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 they're from that like. Crew. Not, so I don't know how the taxonomy works exactly, but the family they're from yeah. is from uh, canine, which would be yeah. uh, wolves, right? And then like, and then more things like like dingoes and like coyotes and stuff, and mm. lower down that chain, you'd had dogs being domesticated, and then and the funny thing is though that. Obviously, dogs have a number of different breeds, yes, but they're all from the same species. Mm. But it's a very, it's a very cultural thing where we pedigree breed them, which is actually inhumane or in canine. Is that the word it's I'm eugenics, looking for? Isn't it? It's, but like, it's, it's eugenics, yeah. It's literally eugenics. It is eugenics because it's, it's not, it's not evolutionary. Because a lot of time, no, some dogs like the British bulldog, for example, just to you know, yeah. as a, very symbolic of the fact that it's been bred on the basis of its aesthetic features. Yeah. So much, so so much, so inbred that bulldogs cannot conceive without the help of a vet that's how they're <laughs> wow that's you know, a bit bleak so imagine if that was you <laughs> yeah. what i mean if, if, if human beings are bred and you know obviously we have a lot of systems whereby we do emphasize uh homogenous uh aspects of our in terms of race or eugenics as yeah. you mentioned if we were to go that far and continue to breed just to focus on particular features then you know we'd be fucked up and yeah. uh that's, so the that's thing. where it's going though right? i mean if yeah. anyone anyone who <laughs> adheres to the step. idea of you know complete racial purity that is going to be the ultimate is that you're going to have to start sexing some cousins up Yeesh. yeah and it's not going to work Yeesh. out well for you yeah, that's the end of the podcast that's, 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 that's our message that's our message that's our message love everybody or fuck your sister that's yeah. that's well, our message turning dogs into fucking well just look at the state of a pug anyway. yeah a pug's another one like they uh have a lot of issues with their uh their breathing mm. why are they a cute looking 
they're weird because they look so weird but lots of dogs they become cute. cute you know yeah lots mm. of dogs are cute pugs are cute and pomeranians are cute and chihuahuas are cute but in a, live, in a lot in a of lot pain in a lot of pain and pugs live a good life like you don't see pugs on the side of the road looking for like <laughs> dustbin cats. that's true or french you know bulldogs yeah. or french they, bulldogs they that good life french so, bulldogs live you know. pretty well but it's bulldogs that's a road dog you know exactly you know the road dogs get no love you know and they look good i look okay you know but i fall on hard times i don't know the same applies to humans but maybe that's a dark road to take us down there might be you know I mean, yeah. you know, some people argue that uh, certain members of certain monarchies or dynasties uh, mm. uh, have a lot of lizard-like features. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and it could could, yeah. be, could be the point, yeah. Um, but then, I mean, it's, it's a whole other podcast in terms of like, there apparently there have been incidences amongst uh, elites where due to inbreeding and very selective mm. breeding, uh, some people have had birth defects and they are uh, quietly sent to uh, asylums. Nice. Quietly, you know, yeah, yeah just wow. The book in a, a book called Bedlam that was recommended to me. I started reading, right? Um, nighttime reading, bedtime reading, yeah. oh, definitely not bedtime reading. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, trying to get some sleep, Howard, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very, it's very, it's a very interesting book in terms of how we used to treat the mentally ill, mm. which is why uh, I say, How are you from being? How are you feeling as a, as a, ah, as a human being? So, you, you're learning these, these, these things, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. This is okay. great. This is why reading is good, yeah. One thing I, I'm not a very religious person, but one thing I I heard a uh, in a sermon was a life shared is a life spared. Mm. So I'm like, I'm a religious like person, and I can honestly say I don't think I've heard that quote. I'm more familiar <laughs> with if you give, you will receive. Yeah. <laughs> same, 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 yeah, yeah. same, same. But yeah. So uh, with no further ado, which mm. I'm not sure is the right use of that phrase, um, just give you an idea of how the show works for me. Um, we invite our uh, esteemed guests mm. to ask any question that is burning at the front of their mind or deeply seated. <laughs> Uh, which we discuss, and then uh, Heza would uh, ask us a question, which we'll also discuss. And finally, I will ask a question that I've always wanted to hear you answer, but not had the time. Wow. Mm. Which I'm looking forward to Excited. and trying to add that ominous tone to it. So, so Fumbi. Sounds deep. So, Fumbi. So, yeah. I, I get to set the ball rolling, right? Yeah, yeah. And, no, and there's, no, there's no wrong questions, no, no stupid questions. questions. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Will Smith did stand up for the first time the other night, mm. and he said he's addicted. There's a big discussion now. Should Will Smith be doing stand up? Is it right for Will Smith to do in stand-up? So I wanted to know, you know, um, what's your feeling about that? Because Ginny actually did a video about it, which was quite funny, telling her, you know, you're a movie star and I do this for real, you know? Mm. And so is he doing it because he's Will or does he have this general passion mm. to try and do stand-up? Or is it because of the attraction of the whole Netflix deals? Cool, it's a good question. And, and I think surprising to hear that he never did it before, right? Because an episode of Fresh Prince, when he gives it a go, Right. Yeah. So what happens? It's a documentary, right? No, no, no. Because it, it had guest star DL Hughley. Yeah, right. It was one of the original kings of comedy who was a stand-up. Right. And there's actually there's almost and like that a, was the narrative. Yeah, that was the narrative, and the narrative was a part, and the whole part of the script was the fact that Will was like, "I'm funny. This isn't hard. I can do this." And he was like, DL Hughley was like, "It's not as easy as it looks." And then Will ends up being uh, someone sees him doing a very funny act out and offers him like a five minute bit. Yeah. And he goes on stage and he bombs spectacularly. Right, and for um. And he, and he also says he's going to quit. He's going to quit school and go into stand-up. And he says he's been very lucrative. <laughs> mm. He can understand Uncle Phil's reaction and his mother's reaction. Oh, Uncle uh, Phil, I bet yeah. he threw Jazz out of the house. Didn't <laughs> <he>? yeah. <laughs> Jazz got thrown out. He told his mother as well. And then, uh, yeah, it didn't go well for him. Yeah. And so he had to learn two lessons. A, to respect his friend's uh, livelihood. But that's all we know about Will Smith in stand-up until that's recently. It. That's it, yeah. yeah. And that's all we know. But he's never had to, right? Not really. He's, he's a about fairly it. funny guy, no? Like in, 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 oh, yeah, in, he's got charisma guy. and everything, yeah. But, you know, when you're earning 20 million in a film, who has time to go to the Firkin Firkin to try a new 20? <laughs> <laughs> you know, who has time for that? Yeah. 
Yeah. I've got to get my type five for my Edinburgh run. No, I mean, <laughs> you, don't, you don't need that. Yeah. On, pa- on paper, there's a lot that suggests that Will Smith could be a very funny stand-up in that number mm. one. Like I said, he's a very funny comedic actor. Uh, oh, actor with a lot of range. He's done Method when he played Muhammad Ali. But he also he was a rapper before he was, a, uh, before he was an actor. Yeah. So obviously punchlines. And one mm. of his early songs was, I think I can beat Mike Tyson, which is kind yep. of comedically based. And mm. Girls in the world ain't nothing yeah. but trouble. Yeah, parents, parents don't understand. understand. Yeah, so he's always taken quite a comedic slant so far as all of his art. So it's not too far a cry, man. I just think it's, it's, uh, it's not, it's obviously you do a gig and it goes well. I can see you being addicted. Yes. Like when you first do it and it goes well, everyone's like, oh, I can't wait to go do this again. Yeah. Like you and don't decide whether or not you do comedy. Yeah. You don't decide whether or not you can do comedy based on having that set and no. people laugh. It's mm. when you bomb. Yes. Can you get back on and the that's, horse? That's the thing with, I feel with Will Smith is he can't be a great comic because he's not going to be able to bomb. Because mm. he comes in as Will Smith, his first 10 minutes of an applause break. What's his first out. line? What's his like, first joke? His first joke is "Good evening." Oh my god, he said "Good evening," oh, and people are just loving it. <laughs> I already do you know what I mean? He could, he could probably do it in a five-minute set. Basically, start with in West Philadelphia, born and raised, and then, he, and then, and <laughs> and then he drop three, the mic yeah, on and three, them. And three-minute grace, he'll get three. And then drop the mic on them after yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. because they because remember the thing is the only people that will come that want to see Will Smith do stand-up are Will Smith fans. Yeah. So you have fans already. He does have to have jokes, but I mean, we all have to have jokes. I guess that's where we get one of the big past the criteria, but it's just, there's never really going to, I don't think there'll be a fair gauge or an objective gauge of how well he does. Yeah. I mean, the only people I would, I guess it'd be like a chort or somebody like that. <laughs> and, even, and, even, and even then it wouldn't be objective. And they're like, they're hating on Will Yeah, they'd be anyway. He's an interesting character to talk about it with because he's someone, you know, who, if you look at him as a human, as like, even just a storyteller, Right, yeah, I yeah. bet you as a storyteller, if you if you said an hour, in fact, here's a good example. If you said Sly Stallone had taken up stand up, right, yeah. you'd be like, mate, come on, this is a bit bit yeah. late in the day, <laughs> yeah. right? But go and watch him at the Palladium. Have you ever seen those recordings of Sly at the Palladium, just no, talking no. Yeah. about his life? Yeah, he and it's someone interviewing him, and and basically they're five minute stand up stories. Yeah, he obviously isn't punching them beat for beat yeah. like stand up. Yeah, but yeah. they're really really funny. Yeah. So you imagine if Will Smith did that. Yeah, oh, I'll, I'll, thing, go, I'll go and see that. Yeah, like, I'll definitely. Stories, but that's, yeah. but that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. It's a case of he's Will Smith, so he's already had. All he has to do is be himself. Yeah. As a stand-up comedian, you're not going in as Will Smith. You're going in as who is he? Well, the unexpected is is is, is so much. You 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 guys have experienced that. I remember seeing you long time ago from the John Bishop show, right? Right. I remember that was Hackney Empire. Yeah. And nobody saw you coming that night. No. You killed it that night, didn't you? I'm sure. Unless it was a good night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Hackney, that's the... Hackney Empire, though, light work for me. It's like going cost-cutter for you. For, for that, that was a home point advantage, <laughs> bro. So he just yeah. goes home, smashes, and then like... But that's the thrill of stand-up when no one yeah. knows you. They, you, you they were so... You could see yeah. the audience. I was there with my mother. <laughs> right. And she was like a 70-year-old Jewish woman who was like... Loving it. Right. And I was like, and she didn't see you coming. With yeah. Will Smith, and that's the thing. With Will Smith, he already has that, regardless yeah. of even him coming out. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have to. The only way he can actually gauge himself is if he comes out under an alias and then tries to do a 10 minute set yeah. about just whatever he write jokes about. The thing is, though, like I said, because I haven't seen the whole clip, but how long has he, did he. I saw him do a freestyle recently, but how long did he do on stage? I do not know. All I saw was him saying, yeah. he didn't really put the clip up. He just said yeah. he opened for Dave Chappelle. Because, I mean, yeah. He opened for Chappelle. And that's yeah. what I mean. Like, <laughs> that's another thing. You're opening. That's just a, that's, yeah. a, that's just a perfect storm of black <laughs> yeah. that's, not, that's not fair. I don't that's know like, any comedian that's, that's who not can, fair whose first you, gig was Chappelle. Where, where was your first gig? Let's find out. Where was your my first My was at Coldwell's Comedy Funhouse. Right. In the basement in Corks. That was my first gig. So was mine. We came through the ranks, bro. Yeah. For Chappelle, right? Hell nah. <laughs> he opened for Chappelle. Did yours go well for me? 
<laughs> you know what? Mine went really you well. You showed it. <laughs> 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 yeah, you showed <laughs> it. No, so, so did mine. Yeah. No, my first show my first went show very well, man. Very well. It was really, Second I was, show went well. Yeah. And then I made the mistake of being like, what, third time's a charm? Not funny, aren't I? I've proved that now. <laughs> Got myself down to, uh, to Bruno Uni, Uni in uh, Zone 6 and it did not go well. Oh my at goodness. All. But the, the, the thing, you know, so uh, the thing of, uh, of when it goes wrong, and it's a really interesting scenario because when it goes wrong, it's ultimately... You can do it with the same jokes that got a laugh the night before, right? Yeah. And something has gone wrong. The chemistry, it's like mm -hmm. an experiment, right? Something exactly. has gone wrong and it's out of your hands and in these people's eyes, you're not funny. Right? Yeah. So if you could put Will Smith in that scenario, let's get him, you know, um, put some prosthetics on. Right, right. And then let's see if he can do let's it. See, yeah, because then it'll be like different. A, or why yeah. don't we get like a bunch of people who audition for like Fresh Prince <laughs> and uh, like Wild Wild West <laughs> and Independence Day. Yep. And fill a room with them, mm. and then we'll see, see Will Smith. <laughs> and Will Smith go entertain them. Let's see what you got. Basically, yeah. well, I, I guess I guess I didn't remember before, but I had to. I realized for you to do, be a great stand-up comic, the stakes have to. There has to be an element of risk. Yeah. In what you're doing, mm. and when you're Will Smith, there's no risk because you can say, "But he's Will Smith. Yeah. He's like Chris Rock. He's not great in movies." But then we say, "Yeah, but he's a stand-up. That's where mm. he excels." So we give him a pass for the movies. Yeah. But in stand-up, he has nowhere to go because that's that's meant to be your game. Mm. Another thing I found interesting was that Will Smith tries out stand-up, you know, opens for Chappelle and says, you know, I'm hooked. That's not trying out stand-up. Eddie way. Murphy, we've been begging him to come back for years. He's like, nah, I'm good. Because yeah. <laughs> he knows I'm going to be judged by a higher standard. And if you've signed a over 100 million studio deal, yeah. It's going to be hard for us to relate to your observations. See, that's, <laughs> yes. a, that's the main thing about Will Smith as well. Yeah. It's not even just because like, yeah, like Fumbi correctly says, you don't get into stand up by opening for Dave Chappelle. Mm -mm. Most people, when you get to stand up, you open it. If you're opening for Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle was the name of a bar <laughs> in Kingston. <laughs> that could have been taken so, yeah, so many ways. Two for one. Yeah. Two, two for one. Two for one. Yeah? Two for one. Dave Chappelle. Yeah, student night. Then that's what you'd be doing. You Flies yeah. on the door. You're not yeah. going to open with, with, with yeah. arguably like one of the top three comedians yeah. on the planet. No one's doing that. But yeah. Yeah. And also, like I said, I think Will Smith, while he has a wealth of life experience he could speak about, I think he may struggle with relatability. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's like, you know, people are like, oh, you know, he's like, my wife is so dumb sometimes. Oh. Like, Your wife is Jada Pinkett. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. You mm. know, it's shut like, up, buddy. Uh, you know, they do those, you know, those applause break moments where you say things that people are going to clap on. So I, uh, I had dinner with Mandela. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. It's like, really? My name is Will Smith. I'm the other presidential candidate. <laughs> yeah, other yeah, Barack you know, Obama. Yeah. Maybe crazy. that's why he's doing it. Yeah. Ooh, see, he's going to run president with Kanye as vice president. Oh my god! <laughs> the day that happens is the day America shuts down. Well, I don't know they're pretty close already. They're on the way. Yeah, they're on they're the way already. I, I, can uh, you imagine uh, Will Smith? And, that sounds like an album release, not a presidential. I wouldn't campaign. even buy that album. To be fair, <laughs> I don't know if I could buy that album. They're gonna spit lyrics. I think, the I whole... think if maybe Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Uh, oh my god! Went gosh. for president and vice president. I'd probably go. I'd probably check that out. If Will Smith becomes president, <laughs> Philly's coming you can, up. Dane can vote as well. Don't forget. I can vote. Yeah, yeah. Can I, vote. I would vote for Will Smith for president. Actually, yeah. well, depending on who he's running against. Well, Trump, obviously. Well, then I definitely vote for Will Smith. <laughs> I had a joke with Obama. Was maybe a uh, governor of California. I think he should go for mm. definitely. Yes. Yes. Definitely go for governor of California. I, I do think that there's something to be said. I'm going to be slightly in favour of Will Smith doing this. On, on, on one sense, which is uh, he obviously thinks he's got jokes to tell. Otherwise, that, that is one thing. So let's just take another example of something, right? So if Will Smith uh, got caught the other night, an open mic night, uh, playing guitar, because he'd written this uh, ballad <laughs> uh, about sometimes it's hard to be a movie star or whatever song he's written, yeah. he'd be like, oh, look, Will's writing a song and singing it. Like You'd be like, that's a bit... Okay, well, I guess he wants to sing that song, right? 
But it's something about stand-up, I think, that makes it more like, oh, what the fuck? There's not enough laughs to go around anyway without you taking some of them. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's... My, my angle is not the fact that I've, if he wants to do stand-up, it's great. Like it's, it's, he can mm. do what he wants. He's Will Smith. But when the debate comes on how good he is, right. it's not like you can never gauge it. You can't, yeah, you can't separate Will Smith. Will Smith there, exactly. And the thing is, the truth is, Will Smith's doing um, stand-up now because he's bored. Okay, he's gone from movie star he's to so Instagram he's so to now bored. doing stand up. He doesn't know what to do. He's that's really what he's bored. trying to do. He's just trying to engage people. So, uh, is he not? I heard he's a Scientologist. And that's why well, I heard maybe on, got unfollow fired. Him, unfollow him uh, online. And if he got fired, that's a great thing. I'd hear about that. I think, yeah. I, guess it's a, but I guess the way, even over the last, even very recently, maybe the last two years, even stand up, in terms of how it's uh, delivered and yeah. in terms mm. of the format has changed significantly. So much. Obviously, the rise of like uh, Hassan Minaj's show. Which mm. wasn't just strictly stand up, and Neil Brennan had three mics, and then you had uh, Nanette uh, as well. Well, I always um, I remember Richard Gad going to see <laughs> Richard going Gad to see well. Richard Gad in 2015. Which I don't know if anyone ever saw that show or any of our listeners. I'm, ever saw I'm it. aware of some of the show, yeah, but if anyone hadn't but seen it, this it's... is a man on a treadmill for an hour yeah. <laughs> talk, talking talking to a video screen. Wow, and that's like it was genius, like genuinely one of the most amazing shows I've ever seen. It ain't the same as stand up, and that's nothing wrong with that. Right? Like, it just ain't. Stand-up. I mean, what's wrong with it is that it's referred to as stand up. Well, yes. is, but it's it's I mean, comedy, and it, and it is funny, but you, it's so difficult to compare it's, to straight stand up. It's 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 theatre, and theatre, you know, it's less camera action, man. Yeah, mm. exactly. But theatre has a dichotomy; it can be comedy or tragedy. So, mm. I I like I like Richard, and I know he's an amazing playwright. I wouldn't mm. necessarily call his show comedy, which he didn't either, because he said yeah. it, was, uh, it, wrote, it didn't enter it in the comedy by accident. So I think if Will Smith was to do like a kind of retrospective or have a format where mm. it's not really him just having the, the classic uh, setup, uh, premise set up and punchline, but maybe spoke about his experiences and kind of mm. cut into songs or act outs or the like, then I'd be like, yeah, I'd definitely check that out. So yeah. there's probably a way for Will Smith to do stand up. I think I just don't want it to be a jokes. I don't want it to be a thing, you know. Yeah, like big Hollywood movie star not doing movies right now. Mm, stand up, you know. Yeah. But then you had the list of all the A list celebrities yeah. who used to be regular, get, popular. I get, I get it. Trying to do stand up now all of a sudden. I get it. But then if you were asked to, someone asked you to rap for Will Smith. If someone told me to open for Will Smith, I'd be the first one on the team. That's why I'm, <laughs> I don't mind the sound. I don't mind him doing his thing. Yeah. There's actually a comedian called Will Smith. Oh, we have comics. There's Will Smith will be funny. Two comics. There's actually two comics called William. Will, one's called William Smith, and another guy called Will. Remember Will? Yeah, Willis. Yeah, yeah. Gone up in there. Yeah, yeah, you know, guy yeah. called Will Smith. There's another comedian called Richard Pryor. So imagine how it is for those guys. Uh, You're always going to be in somebody's shadows. And if Will stuff. does, you know, Will and my friends, you know, that kind of tour. That's going to slam. That will like, sell out well, everywhere. First of all, what he needs to do is just in, introduce Alfonso Ribeiro to open for him. <laughs> he did stand up as well. He did. Do, he did what? actually yeah. do stand up. It was trash. I'm sure he. I'm sure he. It was terrible. Was it really bad? He tried to be edgy by calling. I'm Viva Bitch because you know they have beef with her. Alfonso. That was as edgy as he got, and now he's like bitch. And I was like, yeah, whatever, man. Alfonso. Just tap dance and go. Just do the Tom Jones. <laughs> yeah. Just do the Tom Jones. Keep it pushing, bro. Yeah. yeah, keep it pushing, bro. Like he had no material. Right. Shame. Yeah, he had yeah. no material. That's another thing. If we get him on the podcast, yeah, go I would love to have him on the podcast. <laughs> but if Will Smith was able to perform in front of Janet Hubert Witten, who played the original Aunt Viv, wow, then, then we know if he was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, she walks away like you know what she was, she was like do. yeah, yeah. I, he has some good lines in there it's a new Dane Baptiste TV show called Tough Crowd where uh, <laughs> we get comedians to play their toughest possible crowd that's right you can get that teacher from school who told you you were Miss, uh, uh, oh Miss, Miss Taylor yeah yeah I mean but you played to her before haven't you I think no no not Miss Taylor I haven't played to Miss Taylor yet oh right well, oh, Miss Taylor see. oh Miss Taylor it was like the last day of school <laughs> and I um, I went to next door to my, me and my sister are twins but we were in separate and classes so I went to her class. I think I was mounting something on sugar paper, which you should do back in the day to make your before computers were ubiquitous. Anyway, I was trying to make it look nice for my last thing, just wrapping up all my work. And I think I was talking to one of my friends and she she 
I was under the impression I just came in and just started randomly talking. She's like, what are you doing here? Oh, here he comes again. You know something, Dane? You think you're so funny, don't you? You're not that funny. And you're not going to go very far in life. How about that? And I just remember thinking to myself, like, I'm 11. This is... <laughs> I just, remember thinking, I just remember thinking I'm 11. Like, what if you, school did you go to? I, was, I, was, yeah, I, was I mean, we, school, we had to worry about gang violence and you know getting into fights, but nothing that serious. Yeah. No, no, no. Your teacher I'm took 11, it to the next so, level. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I was, I was thinking if you care this much, like I'm not even in your class. Yeah, I just thought we're not even in the same class. Like I, I, I spent so little time around you. The fact that I have such an emotional drain on you says more about your ability to do your job than me. I knew that at eleven. Yeah, because I, there's those teachers I hated. I hated teachers. I had a lot of teachers that I hated. But for the last day of school, I don't care. Yeah, fucking I'm, like, like, I'm never going to see you again. It does not matter. Like what the last day of school forever. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah, not last primary, day of school. Primary school. So I'm like, oh, I'm leaving. School, it does. Yeah. It does not matter. And like. If you are confident that I have no potential academically, then I'm leaving now. I'm out of your hands. You can just watch me crash and burn. What's so imagine how she feels now when she said, you're not even funny. Mm. And now I am really funny and <laughs> getting paid to be funny. Yeah, what's the name? Miss Taylor. Miss Taylor, you're fucking, you were wrong. You were well wrong. But even Miss Taylor, to be fair, I knew you were wrong then. And in your defense, we both know I didn't respect you. She was the professional. worst fortune teller. Yeah, she was. was. <laughs> she dressed, and the funny thing is, Oops. she dressed like one as well. And the funny thing is, she dressed I like I got one that as well. wrong. Yeah, and she, and she dressed like one as well, funnily enough. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, she had a real weird kind of goth thing and all this whole different colored hair thing yeah. and alternative, which I realize now is because a lot of uh, teachers are themselves frustrated creatives that take a job where they have a lot of free time. You know, but, teachers, um, <laughs> shout out to all the teachers, but they make the worst audiences, man. Really? They're the worst. Oh my They're God. the worst. I did a show yeah. in, um, <laughs> in Leicester. It's all teachers. <laughs> and I'm doing the set. I said, you're talking during my set. She goes, I'm on a night out. I was like, whoa. Yeah, the they can't, they can't. Yeah. Teachers are the worst. They can't handle hmm. not being the authoritarian in the room. Right. And, 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 having and they're checking adhere, your grammar all yeah, the time and, as well. and, and, and adhering to the rules, which they enforce themselves. So again, like in terms of Miss Taylor, I'm still like I, I just think, yeah, yeah. I hope you, I hope you're well, Miss Taylor. I mean, we both know you're not, but <laughs> well, I, hope, I hope you're doing all right. Well, we we wish Miss Taylor and Will Smith all the luck in the world, all the best. No, yeah. I'm not wish, Will Smith really? has all the luck he wants, but Will Smith. <laughs> I hope that when you are looking to do a uh, combined showcase, Fumbi and I are available. Yeah. Fully available. What a night that would be. I'll clear my so diary good. for up that Up the one. creek. Come to up the creek. I think Will Smith and hey, Will Smith, man. That would be dope. Come down yeah. to we'll up the creek. Out. We'll take we'll you seriously then. Yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, you can't do, the... do Fresh Prince because another comedian already did that show yeah. in the UK. But that's for you to do. <laughs> that's another story for another time. Another shot. Mr. Take a shot. That's real talk. That's not a shot, Fumbi. That was a good question. That was a seriously good question. Thank you. Thank you. Were you worried? I got a sense that you were worried your question wasn't good, but that was a very That wasn't one. my question initially, but I changed it on the way. Yeah. <laughs> Did you go much deeper? Was it much darker? Oh, no, I went much deeper? lighter. <laughs> I, I saved the deeper one for when Dame invites me back. <laughs> there will be another, there will be a sequel. Mm. I guess it's my turn then. It's yes, your turn, Howard. All right, I'm going to ask two stand-up comedians and obviously writers and genius men. I don't know why you're leaving yourself out of stand-up comedian, Howard, but Well, fine. you know, but I, I, I've been thinking about this thing recently because... Um, because I've, I've changed job, right? I've, I've moved company and uh, I've been thinking about how the people I used to work with, I used to make them laugh without even thinking about it. Like I just, you know, I used to have like a buzzer on my desk and when someone would say something particular, I'd press the buzzer and they'd go, uh, uh, and then everyone would laugh and it would be like, oh, and I even, I so stupid, my sense of humor at work, I'd take my weekly shop in, uh, my list, you know, like the, the receipt and I'd read it out to everyone on Monday morning and then they'd have to guess how much it cost me. 
Right. So my question to you is this, because now I'm at a new place. They don't know me. I don't know if they're going to laugh at me at any point in the future. And it kind of doesn't it make you think, and you must think this every night, isn't actual physical laughter just the weirdest, weirdest thing? I think, I know, I think it's probably the most instinctive thing we have. Like, it's probably one of the only, I guess, vocal expressions being that, what does it say, 90% of most human communication is nonverbal. Mm. I think it's one of the only ways we can communicate emotion uh, that transcends language and gender and age. Mm. So it's a very weird thing. Uh, um, stand-ups, you, it's, it's your, it's a currency, right? Pretty much. It's, it's, it's pretty much a currency. And, and so you, you go up, I and mean, did you do a gig this weekend? I did. Yeah. I so did you, too. I was with Dane this weekend. Oh, really? Where, where were you guys? Uh, Nine Nine Club. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And so you get up there, right? And within about, I guess, about 30 seconds, or you you, you know how much is coming, is in the room, right? Sometimes, because you see compares sometimes, and, they, and the room is just being like wrung out. Yeah, when it's yeah, not yeah. going well, it's just being wrung out of laughter. And yeah. you have to get up there. And had, is it, how obvious is it to you when there's actual laughter there or not? Oh, you can tell. Like, we've done, I've done some gigs where it's equivalent. If, if I was a naked flame, the compare is turning on the gas. <laughs> <laughs> he is not helping. I've, we, we, I've, I've done, definitely done that before. And uh, I, think, I think, yeah, that's one of the big differences between comedy and other genres of uh, live performance or uh, dramatic or performance is that, yeah, you can find out within 30 seconds if you're going to have a good time or a bad time. And like I said, the currency is, um, it's one, yeah, you can definitely see how it's going to pay off initially. Mm. And then it's just how much you want to invest in certain types of laugh. If that, if, if yeah. that makes sense. I mean, sometimes it's really weird because sometimes you feel like it's going to be a good one. Mm. And you can actually lose it at some point. Right. Kind of tail off yourself. Because Sometimes you think, um, it could be anything, man. It could just Someone be Someone sends you the wrong direction, a punter. Yeah. Sometimes you could have punters, broken right? from the set. You could have just, something could have happened or you're just a bit tired yourself. Mm. Maybe you came out swinging too much and then you start talking about, you know, I don't know, you talk about race and then everyone's like, oh, and then they freeze up. Well, actually I told the, I told the uh, story about my teacher on stage once at a gig called Sunday Show good friend of mine uh andy williams used to run you know the one that used to be in, i think i want to say lightroom like on shoreditch high street it was in camden wasn't it no no um Is andy, it anthony watson no nah, williams andy's gig um k used to be there a lot oh yeah yeah yeah. i know what you so mean. It was, yeah so i remember doing this gig doing that that story and uh some of the room enjoyed it and some of the room they I had nothing I got nothing from them tanked and then hmm. this guy this girl came playing acoustic, acoustic guitar and her dad even came on stage and was like, that guy basically insulting me, being like, that guy probably has a problem with teachers because a teacher can be your parents, your pastor, and he has a blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, first of all, it's obviously a joke. And <laughs> all of these people are sitting here acting like they've never had problems with teachers really goes against the entire narrative of the people that are at the show. Mm. And uh, finally, if you was a any kind of father with any kind of balls, you would have said to me what you want to say when I was on stage. Mm-hmm. So... Mm. You're raising your family in a house of cowards. So how about that? <laughs> but the point is that yeah, you you can you can definitely kind of gauge if it's going to go well or badly. Mm. And uh, yeah, some jokes, you know, yeah, same joke delivered the same way made tank yeah. in another room. It, ma- it makes it fascinating, right? Because like, I take watching a movie, right? The you generally, the average movie. Uh, I'm trying to think. I rewatched Deadpool uh, recently. I enjoy. I enjoy Part one or two. Part one. One, yes. Yeah, yeah. Part very, very much a fan of any film it's of that kind. the highest grossing R-rated film of history. Really? I think, wow, yeah, that's a good, good fact. And yeah. I, I, I mean, I just watched that and was just like, 
I didn't smile throughout. I didn't laugh once, but I was just enjoying. Yeah. When you watch a movie, you just sit there and enjoy it. Whereas when comedy, if you don't laugh, then you're like, well, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> am I, doing it? But I think we, uh, people in the, in the industry and anyone who looks at it in a kind of professional sense, whether they're critics or whatever, cerebralize uh, oh, completely. It's so much that when you, because this is why I was, partly I was asking this, is because you went to do this pilot in, was it in Nigeria? It was here. Oh, it was here, but, but it was with a Nigerian Niger- audience. Yeah, it's going to be shown to Niger- in Nigeria. Yeah. yeah, and was it a Nigerian audience predominantly? Or? It was, it was, it was a diaspora audience. So that's like uh, kids who were born here, but they have like Nigerian or... Mm. They have Nigerian parents. Ancestrally, I'm also Nigerian. Yeah. I wasn't able to make it. But yeah. He, <laughs> he's, um, <laughs> yeah. He's like... I just wondered if that, it, like, comparatively, how that felt in front of that audience who are maybe not in- intellectualizing it or not over-analyzing it in the way that sometimes you go and see certain... No, that's the thing, though. Your audience... The audience don't really care about the, the two plus twos and the... You know what I mean? No, when, no. when you're talking to the average person about... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The greatest comics. You tell a person Bill Hicks is better than I don't know a Michael McIntyre. To the person who loves Michael McIntyre, they ain't trying to hear that because he makes them laugh. Mm. Whereas someone who loves Bill Hicks is looking at the you know the way he's able to talk about uh, social commentary and also make it funny, but he's not the belly laugh comedian. Mm. So it's all down to so your your audience really don't see anything other than he's making me laugh. Yeah, and so it's only us who the com- the comedians who are like. I need to have this kind of punchline or my message has to be hidden here and stuff like that. To the average person, it's just, is which he is, funny or not? Which I, which, I think is, which I think is a good thing for that. We have that as well. Because, um, yeah, it's like I said, how, if you look, you look at something and you look at the execution of a script or dialogue mm. and how it works in a particular scene, mm. and that's because you're, you're probably more uh, industrially and personally invested in the artistry of mm-hmm. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like with comedy, I think people, for the most part, the... Uh, paradigm of it is that we are the comics they're the audience so we make them laugh and they laugh mm. and that's the job done and there's but then like i said there's many ways of make this is why going back to even the first question with will smith there's big differences between performing comedy and making people laugh because mm-hmm. you can fall over you can have a prat fall mm-hmm. you can do slapstick you mm-hmm. can slip comedically and that's funny mm-hmm. and you could argue your job is done based on the fact that i did something i did something proactively making people laugh but mm-hmm. really so far as comedy for us it's you know the execution of a concept, is it original? Mm. Uh, does that come from that person? Is that a valid observation? Have they arrived at that way that, you know, the audience wants to see it coming? So for us, there's just a lot more uh, to it, I guess. And um, Do you still laugh at other comedians? <laughs> or, 
you know what? Yeah, I love other comedians. Yeah, yeah. When you want to mix bill. Yeah, I feel, I feel like I've lost some of it though because of <laughs> the fact that you do start studying and thinking oh, how do they get there and where was yeah. their thought process behind it. But yeah, I do still I, love I, other comedians. What I do is um, when I'm on a bill with someone, it's hard to laugh because you're not really paying attention because you're trying to figure it, trying to focus on your stuff. Yeah. But if I go to a comedy night, it's really refreshing because I get right. to laugh. I get to enjoy, especially with comics I don't know. Right. When, you, when you know comedians, it's hard to laugh because you know them so much. But I like to watch comedians I don't know and I'm like, I'm pleasantly surprised. So mm. yeah, you still laugh at other comics. Don't get me wrong, your thing's right. You judge a lot. <laughs> you, know, you definitely, you, you judge, definitely a judge a lot. because, And that's because like, it's, it's because I suppose you're so well-versed. In the same way that like, if a footballer's watching other footballers, then you know, I guess all the fans are looking at scorelines and points, whereas other footballers might be looking at you know your touch and your vision and they can mm. probably scrutinize it with because they're with a lot more of a learned eye. Yeah. Than yeah. Your, uh, I like watching um, open micers. Really? Yeah. Because um, yeah, yeah. I value their, 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 their guts. Because yeah. when you start, when you've done stand up for a long time, you put so much emphasis on trying to be funny mm. and trying to match the persona you've created. Mm. Whereas open micers, they have no persona and their jokes sometimes you're like, wow. You, you, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, what you thought you was going to work. It's also good because they don't respect you and don't give a shit. Nope. And sometimes right. for me, I like going to these nights where you know there's less experienced comics just to prove you can still do it at their level. Because a lot of the time, there's a I guess when you start doing comedy and you have that ego, there's a real impetuousness where it's like, well, I'm funny too. Why is this guy funny? That guy on TV, I don't think he's that funny. I'm not funny. <laughs> so do you kind of, people tend to approach you with the ego again, not really knowing about the journey and what's required in order for you to hone your act. So I like to see that sometimes because you see it, it's a way of keeping your finger on the pulse. You're aware of what trends are occurring where comedy is concerned and, you know, what people are talking about. And, um, uh, yeah, I like it because it's like you're just kind of making it a challenge for yourself. Otherwise, it's too yeah. easy because come back to what you're saying with uh, how why your new job, you don't know if people find you funny. Well, it's just a weird thing, isn't it? It's because you're, you're not used to the room. Yeah, Same yeah. Way, like, like there's rooms. If you go and perform in a room often enough, then you kind of get alert. You, you learn the acoustics of that room. You know, mm -hmm. you learn the kind of like, I guess, average mm. demographic of that room and, you know, their income is, so you know what kind of jokes kind of work. So you yeah. become more comfortable. You become in a room, just like you play in any stadium, you know that, you know how the grass works, you know how fast the ball works if you're playing at home. Whereas when you're in an away game, you don't necessarily know the temperature of the pitch. They mm. spray that pitch down. So there's a lot more <laughs> if you take into account yeah. in terms of how people maneuver it. And it's the same thing with a new job is that your old job, people have a context for who you are. Yeah. They're into your staff. They know all the powers, nuances, and idiosyncrasies. So it's like, yeah. Well, I talk a lot of shit. Yeah, but they, know, but they still shit. know it's you. It's still Howard's yeah. shit. You're still Howard's shit. And, it, and it's funny because it, the way it translates on stage is that sometimes people kind of start to have that kind of environment that nurtures their need mm. to do comedy. And they're like, oh, I got this mate. My mate's so crazy. Not, and, they, and, they'll, and they'll talk about it, not knowing that audience, like, well, we don't know your mate and we don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, don't, we don't know. We don't have a context for what. We don't have a context for your journey that's kind of you know precipitated in mm. you having this relationship so if they make a certain comment in context of who they are you know why that's funny yeah. but when you relate it to an audience who don't know them and we're like well, why is that funny that is true because you know, when you walk into a comedy club especially when it's one that i don't know it's like outside london the first thing i do is look around the room yeah and start looking about okay where's the mic you know where's the mic stand but there's rooms in london like up the creek for instance i did mm. the creek two weeks ago creeks where i won my first competition so doing stand up there, it's like coming home, right? You know, I know exactly the fire I'm gonna bring. I know how it works. Hmm. I remember when they, yeah. you know, they did the renovation in the room, yeah, in the whole comedy club. I walked in, it, the they, I was like, oh my god, now I have to while. learn again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It took a while. I had to bring really? this fire back, yeah, because they yeah. changed the entire room. So, so we're saying, we're saying that what laughter actually is is the environment you're in, all of as it, much yeah, as like anything. It's a reaction, so the yeah. ambience and the 
the feng shui because then you learn the acoustics and how because once you learn a room you know how to project to different parts of the room and what parts people find it harder to hear or who's mm. more likely to hide from your, it's your like, gaze and yeah. you work all that stuff out but the thing is as well like that's my advice to comedians is that like I wouldn't even try and get too comfortable in rooms I mean you'll learn that over time with experience as it is but it's the same reason why you don't bring friends to because you'll never get again no. you're not going to mm. get like an, a genuine kind of, response yeah genuine response because People, they, they they kind of know who you are and stuff as well. But like, take into account those things, you know, based on like, you know, rooms and stuff like that. And like, when we said you start looking at the room and where the audience are, you can already again start to gauge if it's going to go well or not, how hard you're going to have to project based on just at the height of the ceiling mm. and at the layout of the chairs. And, you know, it's like, for example, if some if, if chairs are put around the table and the table's circular, well, people are more inclined to talk to one another if their backs are to the audience, they're all sitting around each other. Yeah. So it's a lot harder for you to, for them to pay attention. Or, mm. you know, if your stage is too close to the toilet, then how disruptive is that going to be if people have to walk across the stage or mmm. how loud is that hand dryer going to be when I'm on stage? And <laughs> it's so, I mean, all those things, yeah. all, the, all these yeah. things that yeah. you, you start to get a wider perspective it's, it's of how, how your craft works. Yeah. It kind of makes you know what kind of, you have to know what kind of comedian you are as well. Mm. For instance, the, everybody assumes you want to do like a concert tour where you're doing a stadium or an arena. I don't want to do arenas because I'm not an arena comic. Mm. I like the intimate feel of comedy because comedy, I tell mm. I bring you into a story, into my own little world. And I don't think I can capture that in an arena. I feel like my comedy would suffer because of that. Right. So therefore, I will stay away from an arena. Even though it's the more profitable thing, I'd rather do like a Hackney Empire across a month or something mm. like that. Because it will fit my style of comedy and can get much more from it. Because yeah. everybody thinks being a comedian is just going on a stage and making people laugh. There's so many elements of that night that can help you get to the best part, to get the best of you. Mm. And it's really important to know what kind of comedian you are. So then you just don't get into those traps. Yeah. And the thing is as well, like I said, like going back to your saying, when people know who you are, so you laugh at everything you do. Yeah. But I think as you go on and you get a certain level of experience, you are able to accept that, you know, depending on what kind of style you have, some people aren't meant to laugh at the stuff you're mm -hmm. saying, because it essentially a lot of observational jokes are going to be at somebody's expense. Mm. So when I was performing in Dubai, for example, and a girl came out and she was like, oh, it's great. What are you guys doing now? Oh, by the way, that woman really didn't like your material. And, you know, the woman's lips are full of collagen implants, like <laughs> sugar daddy, you know, and I'm not writing it for you to like it. And some of the stuff I say is about you. Yeah. So you should be pissed off. So it's sometimes I'm happy to lose people in the crowd because, you know. Oh, my I'm, God. That's the, when I learned that, when I got to that place where I didn't care how people yeah. felt, right? I just became a real comedian. Wow, so it was. Thought, I was so, tired. So, yeah. You get so tired of trying to please everyone in mm. the room because you know the joke's funny, right? Yeah, and I know my intentions behind it, well, and yeah, I know yeah, another thing. More, yeah, the latter, yeah, you know your I know my intentions behind, behind it. it, and another yeah. thing is mm. you have to look at you play the numbers in any comedy room. There's a room full of hundred people. How many people do you really think you need to laugh to get a reaction tonight? Thirty. Mm. So the remaining seventy people there, whether you laugh or not, is really irrelevant. Yeah. Because even when you leave a comedy club of a hundred people, you think the hundred are going to be like, let me get your number. More time you get like two or three people really coming up to you saying, I really enjoyed that. And yeah. even if they did, they may forget you. They may forget you as soon as exactly. You're on bill, you might smash it, but they'd be like, well, what was that guy's name? Yeah, yeah what was that they, guy's they, name? They yeah. You. So, it's, so uh, you know, hmm. to the idea that you have to make everyone laugh and everyone's feeling you, it's, it's really not true because yeah. only your core people actually tend to follow on. Exactly. And most people come for the night, for the hype, you know, so... And the mob are fickle, Howard. So if some people at work don't like you, fuck <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I just, it's just interesting. Here's the real thing in my head about it all was just the fact that your daily life has been filled with the laughter because you know that audience is going to 
No, you're... You'd be spoiled, Howard, man. Yeah, I've three you're years. You're in your comfort zone. Like, so have it, yeah. <laughs> you're in your comfort zone. Man, three big years. Man, big man on campus. Yeah, now I've got to go, fucking, yeah, i got to start again. Exactly. Like, fucking hell. You were the prom king back then. I was talking about freshman. my cat at the fucking <laughs> office today, and they were looking at me, and I was like, People oh, like, you don't know. This cat's funny. Like, it's like you don't you've been know. playing for Real Madrid for like three seasons, and yeah. now... You're like Orient. Captain yeah, yeah, of Burnley. Yeah, 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 Burnley. Oh, yeah, Angle, you know? no, Angle de Maria because we only went, we went to um, Manchester United. United yeah, it's like, just nah. mm. the, tech, the tech is not six good enough. Six months yet. have to go to Paris. <laughs> tech it good enough. Well, yeah. I'll report back uh, to let you know if people are laughing at things that I say I'm, I'm put in, in the office. <laughs> but you know what? If they don't laugh, you, should, you have to go back into your writing game. Yeah, okay. or remind them who the boss is. Well, not me, it's not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but you know him. Yeah. <laughs> you, I've met send, him. You send him such a harsh email. Yeah. That'll teach him. No, I'm sure it'll be fine. It will be. Do fine. You know, the first times where you bomb, which we will, mm. just take them as yeah. I'm just learning the craft again. Yeah, good. Yeah. Okay, just, starting give from it a scratch. Try. Starting from scratch. Cool. Don't put no pressure on yourself, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've, started, I've started talking about my lunch today. I reckon I can work that into yeah. a regular bit. Progress, however, not perfection. Yeah. Uh, but that was my question. What is laughter <laughs> and how do you keep it? That's the thing. It's hard, isn't it? You fucking got to start again. Hard, yeah. You know the sad thing about laughter? Like you said, how do you keep it? The more we do as comedians, we let go of the laughter. Mm. I was watching a set of mine the other day. I said, Mike, I don't even do those jokes no more. And those <laughs> wow. are good jokes. <laughs> Why didn't you I, bring I, like, them I back? them. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to word them back <laughs> in a different situation. <laughs> yeah. But oh, I was yeah. like, that's some good shit. Yeah. But I'm like, I've left that. I'm onto this now, you know? Mm. So that's the sad part about laugh, laughter. You, know? you have to let them go. Yeah. Well, it's time for the third and final question. It's uh, yeah, and it's a uh, yeah, good point about leaving things, letting it go, and then sometimes bringing it back. Uh, so, uh, listeners may not know, but I know Fumbi very well. Yes, uh, Fumbi is a uh, big fan uh, of nineties uh, hip hop. <laughs> um, as am I, as am I, mm. and uh, normally it would be a point of contention uh, because we are. There's, a, there's a something brewing here, by the so way, I'm listeners. There's an argument yeah, coming. Yeah, like, well, I'm not, not saying an argument. Could be, could be, could be just a debate. But uh, luckily, I stay strapped. Yeah, you stay strapped all the time. <laughs> Another person that stay strapped was uh, <laughs> Tupac, Tupac Amaru Shakur. That's right. Uh, Machiavelli the Dawn. Was he passed away? Was it naive? Was it 96, 96. 96. Yes, yeah, 97 was big. Yes. Who Six I, months later. Who I prefer. But that's another story for another time. Now, uh, that's not the point. The point is. Oh, the point. The point is, I'll say the question is that like, as I'm sure you are aware, there mm-hmm. are several theories with regards to the uh, continued existence of of Puck, uh, who is uh, referred to as Jesus of the hip hop culture, which mm. I think is... And a, Elvis. Yeah. Well, Elvis, well, yeah, Elvis so. is another one who said to come back, but I mean, that's an, again, another story for another yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yep. yep. Um, <laughs> but my question is, Tupac's back, right? <laughs> okay. And the first thing he wants to do is get in the studio. Uh-huh. And he needs someone to exec produce the album. That's you, Fumbi. <laughs> <laughs> he wants 10 features. Oh, no, no, okay, that's maybe. Let's say he wants five features on this album. Oh. Mm. Dead or alive. Dead or alive. Oh, yeah. Thank God for that. Who do you pick to be on your executively produced two-pack album? God. Oh, my goodness. This is the best hypothetical yeah. oh we've had on this goodness. show. That is... All right, because you said dead or alive, yeah? I'll tell you, I'll tell you the producer. I'm going to bring on. All right. Okay. Not just the feature because you need the right producer, right? Hey, you're the exec. It's your choice, bro. <laughs> <laughs> your you're money. Right. You it's my decisions. money. You've got to take the decisions. <laughs> what's, your, what's your, I mean, as a side note, what's your label called? Oh my God. <laughs> Fumstar Records. Fumstar Records. <laughs> <laughs> copyright. Copyright. <laughs> copyright. Fumstar Records is a registered trademark over. Yeah, man. Office is based in Hackney. Gaz, get me. Nice. Um, the producer I'm bringing back because... 
he was so instrumental in Tupac's music was Johnny J. Johnny J basically was Tupac's producer. I, I feel like every rapper had a guy who knew how to get their sound out. Yeah, yeah. You know what uh, I mean? Notable uh, tracks by John. Uh, he did One Wonder of Heaven's Got a Ghetto. Nice. He did, uh, he did a lot of Tupac's early music and some of these like, classic songs were done by Johnny J. So I'd bring Johnny J back to produce the album because I feel like... How did Johnny J die? He f- died in prison. And it was a man. It was actually really weird. He was climbing up a prison wall and fell. And oh, then he no, died. No, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. Strange, stranger deaths in prison. So. <laughs> rest, in, rest in peace to Johnny J. So I'd bring back Johnny J because I feel like he, Tupac worked well when he was directing, making his music. Mm-hmm. And the features, wow, five. Yeah, five. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm putting. I'm putting. Because you know you're going to be a, like a shitload of stuff getting yes, submitted in yes, there. Yes, yes. I'm putting Biggie on. I'm putting Biggie on because Tupac and Biggie did a song called Running. Um, the original version was produced by Easy Moby, which is fire. Yeah. And it, um, it's one of the hardcore tracks I've ever seen and it was like Puck and Biggie at their youngest just hungry yeah you know just spitting fire so I'll bring Biggie on even though they had that little East Coast West Coast running part two running part two yeah you know well coming back or whatever they they call it reunion reunion yeah you know reconciliation to break up so I reckon that'll be fire um, like kind of like the equivalent of still, so it'll be like still B.I.G. like like with Dr. Dre. And yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Which is you know when they quench the rumors. But this the thing, the irony of the whole. Faith could sing the hook. Yeah, exactly. Faith could sing the hook. Faith could sing the hook. That's nice. That'd be I tight. Like that. Do you know what I mean? Because the irony of it being like, especially where because Tupac was born on the East Coast. Yes, he was born in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. And then Big used to rap West Coast style. Right. And then even with Still Dre, like that was written by Jay Z. I know, right? Hmm. So it's like. It's just the talent, though. The talent is there, man. And the thing is, when Tupac first heard Biggie, he went bananas because he was like, this guy is a is a dope MC. How could you not? You <laughs> know, because Biggie was fire. I'll put Nas on the album as a feature no. simply because Tupac and Nas had that conscious flow. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tupac was a bit more militant. Nas had the suave, the smooth, yeah. poetic. More jazz poetic, and jazz yes, influence. Yeah, more yeah. softer approach of giving mm-hmm. it to you. Whereas Tupac was straight in your face. Nice. But I think the blend will be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's two, right? Mm-hmm. I'd have oh my days! These are there's uh, you're killing me with this one, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna put this is gonna sound weird to everyone, but again, you have to sound I'm a Tupac fan. I'm bringing Big Psych back. Big Psych right. was part of Thug Life, right? Also one of the Outlaws, but he was one of Tupac's closest road dogs, mm-hmm. right. and they just made track good tracks together. Nice. Now I wouldn't buy a Big Psych album on its own. Mm. It's a whole <laughs> different ball game without. That's one. like that's like you know annoyed and Mob Deep so Mob Deep song Burn. Yeah. And he says, hey, you don't think I live a pop life now? Because, hey, you could get pop right now. That uh, verse he does on that, yeah, that was enough to get him a record deal. Right. Hmm. But would I buy another Big Noid record? Probably right, not. Right, but that, right, that, but right, that verse right. was fire. It's like Method Man. Like, with Wu-Tang, Method Man is fire. But as a solo artist, you're like, Ooh, oh, well, that one. You didn't, you didn't like Takao? Takao? Okay, you just <laughs> made the track. That's one track. I mean, it's the album. Yeah. You never, let, you never left to say that Method Man album. The one he did with Red Man, the, that one album. Blackout, Blackout was good. That Blackout was a great album. But then part two was... Yeah. 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 Like, you're too album, old to be a boy band. That first album yeah. deserves proper recognition. It does, man. It was, the thing it was, is, it was after, what happened was, it was after, I think, Rockweiler, who was one of the producers, yes. had, a, had a motorcycle accident afterwards. So. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Crazy, wow, that's man. sad, man. No, no, man. DMX. Oh, would be with Tupac. I'm glad you DMX. brought that up. Now that would be a thug life song. I'm glad you brought that up because we need to address the issue of the Tupac clones. Yes, because right. the Shout thing out to is, yeah, it's a Jaru. among many. <laughs> Lil so Zane. Because what people understand is that, like the uh, for people that, because especially now in the state of hip hop, where a lot of people will talk down about you know their predecessors like Big and Tupac, mm. not realizing that that whole East Coast West Coast beef and the media attention that it brought 
put helped to bring hip hop to its current level of prominence. And as a result of which, like I said, the two fact status was like, you know, he's the Jesus of hip hop. Mm. And so much so to the point where that thug immortal and that thug life aesthetic that Tupac had has been one that people have tried to replicate to this day. Because you look at like a lot of the successors, like uh, like I said, DMX yep. was one mm. with the whole the, the muscles and the yep, tattoos yep, yep. and the, the blood affiliation. Yep, bandanas. You got like the bandanas, and you got Lil Wayne mm. yep. as well. Um, Lil Zane, <laughs> another one. Jaru, uh, Jaru, yeah, mm. another Tupac clone. Yep. Um, pretty much, if you see a rapper. Without their top on, with bodies, <laughs> with tattoos, and chains, and clone because, you know, especially because like Fifty Cent, like you're from New York, it's not warm enough for you to always be have, yeah. not have a have a top on. So again, it's just always, and the whole thing has always been everyone wants to look like Park and kind of rap like Biggie, mm. as of being hardcore but having radio friendly songs. Yes, with, with, uh, yes. with the hardcore yes. lyrics in yes. between yes. and having like a good R and B hook, which was kind of like the blueprint yeah. by Bad Boy and yeah. Biggie. But it's just yeah, it's I think for the most part, mm. anyone who's like because really. Other than if you served in the armed forces, like body art was not really that big amongst like African Americans. Yeah. And Tupac kind of popularized that whole ideal. You know, that's the reason why you see people tattooing like ISIS on themselves to this day. It's mm. nuts. Or even like, like, like summer tattoos. Yeah. It was definitely just part of legacy. Like, like the NBA, I feel like you can't even join a team now without a tattoo. Oh, yeah. The NBA, right? that is, you credit that to Alan Iverson. Yeah. Yes. True. Alan Iverson, Iverson kind of allowed that to migrate into But that was the hip hop culture and NBA. But I loved it when kind of merged, yeah. Yeah, but I loved how those players were coming into the game in like fur coats and baggy jeans and the owners were like, oh, hell no. Exactly. It's in the annual pimp convention. It's the NBA. Exactly. And it would be a big fur coat because you imagine about They came and looked like pips to put on a six foot seven. They had gold chains. You had those little rich white kids in the suburbs saying, Mama, I want to get a gold chain. They're like, No, 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 yeah, no. You, well, they used to say that nowadays, they'll buy it for them kids. Right, right. So we're up to number, is that three? That, that was, was four. four, wasn't it? That was four. Yeah. DMX was four. The last one, I'm going to put a female on, put Lauren Hill on there. Oh, Park and Lauren Hill will do a Which nice place? little. That's some like, not, even, not even Lady song. of Rage from Death Row. You know why? Because I want, I want Lauren to sing the hook and spit. Yeah, mm. you know how hard yeah. that would be if Tupac and Lauren Hill Didn't. just she do this rap with him and then sing the hook on it. That's a good point. A hmm. Hard song, you know. So we're kind of halfway through the time mm. for this question. Yeah. So that's the first CD. So but also CD number two because we know Tupac does double albums. But also <laughs> one thing I've got to ask is what would what would the world make of him right now? That would good, be that's a good question. That would be. A I think tough... there's two misconceptions of Park. People think if Tupac was alive now, he'd be this angry character or this, you know. um like it's troublemaker industry bully yeah yeah. Right, yeah the thing is the whole east coast west coast thing that was like a money thing mm. that was a case of he was i think he was hurt because of what was happening he felt he had friends in the industry and he felt like they betrayed him so he it was smart of him to go at the biggest rapper in the east coast because mm. if he could go at biggie everyone would think he's untouchable which again no one else mm. in the world could go at which again is a uh a blueprint which is followed very much to this day. But I which was out of war because he was reading about, you know, yeah, the art no, of war yeah, from yeah. Nico Machiavelli. Yeah, so. the, the prince, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah so yeah. he was mm. learning these things. He knew he had to because remember he his stock was low. He just come out of prison. No one was really, you know, yeah, fucking with Pop. It was the label dropped him as well, right? Interscope had dropped him. Yeah, yeah. So, so no one was through, fucking yeah. with him. Did he no one wanted to sign him because they said it was too much trouble mm. and he was broke. So he knew if he comes out of jail and he goes at Biggie and survives, they'll think he's immortal. Yeah. And that's what pushed out that thing. So now, but the thing is, what he really was, was just someone who was trying to get the message of the uh, experience of a young black male in America across. Yeah. 
And but he just caught up in all the other stuff as well. Do you think oh. he could believe what it turned into? Like think of any. He know. said when he said when he, in his raps he used to say, you know, when I die, I want to be a living legend. Or he had a song called How Long Would They Mourn Me? Mm. And he would say stuff like, you know, no one in the world loves me. I don't think he realized the impact he had while he was here. Mm. I think he really, if he really did, he would have slowed down his life just a bit. Interesting. But then, yeah, it's hard. To, I mean, it's hard, hard to see. It's that. hard proposition to think that someone yeah. would slow down. At twenty five. This is the thing. Yeah, I think it's a very. I mean, myself, some especially now I'm in my thirties. There's something to reflect on is the fact that yeah, it's so crazy to imagine that those achievements are at twenty five. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> remember, right? remember, like as well as you know, an impressive discography. Like he was an accomplished actor. Yeah. Yeah. You know who you know appeared both in. On yeah, the, and wrote books. He was in a film with Cream. Tim Roth. Yes, that was the last one. Gridlocked. Gridlocked. That wasn't a bad film. Oh, it was in a film Candy, with Tim Candy was in that as well. She was in that, yeah. Mm. And then, and then he was in um, Poetic Justice with Janet Jackson as yeah. well. He was yeah. in um, Gang Related with Jim Belushi. That was yeah. That was Tally, above the Tally rim, fucking guy, right? Guy. Oh, and he was supposed mm. to be in Menace to Say, but he was by God's name. Did a film with Mookie Rook called Bullet. So oh, yeah, yeah he was very talented. Was, and there was another film as well. Oh, above the rim, above mm. the rim, yeah. And then yeah. Juice, which was a cult classic. Oh my god, yeah, that film is crazy, man. Yeah. Right, if I'm going to exec this record, yeah. I want to cause as much trouble as possible, <laughs> right? So instantly I'm putting Kanye in there because I just want to see what will happen. Oh, that would be a dope song. <laughs> that would, we just want to see what would happen, right? Yeah. How would that, I mean, yeah, look, the, you, you know, when Kanye has gone, we'll think back and go, yeah, he was an egomaniac, yeah. but we'll remember how talented he was. Mm-hmm. And I think well, maybe... We'll see. <laughs> it depends what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I want, you know what? I, I recently, I was at, I was at a, a, a cafe Nero really late at night in King's Cross, right? And, okay. and I was listening to the, I heard this track come on. I was like, fucking hell, that's amazing. How rarely do you Shazam? I don't know about you. Like, I really. <laughs> I Shazam the other night, dude. Really? I'm yeah. like midnight and I'm like, fucking hell, this is so good. I've got to, I couldn't, I couldn't quite place. I'm t- tired. Mm-hmm. And I put it on. And it was a, a really lost track from the Eight Mile soundtrack, an Eminem track. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Fuck it!" Like Jesus Christ, that guy oh, was God. seriously. He he's still is. Oh, God, he's a seriously good. Imagine that track. Tupac. <laughs> Do you know the funny thing? Tupac and Eminem have done a track. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Tupac was dead though. Was that the running one? It was um, one day at a time. Oh, I see. They put yeah. him on. Eminem produced that right. album, so they had yeah. it on. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Eminem, because remember, Eminem did a song with Biggie as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dead Wrong, which is it's a, basically a hardcore bloodbath track. It's, a, it's like a horror, just horror go, horror Yeah, it's a horror mm. film. Horrorcore. They're just going <laughs> off. You, know, nice. you remember there was a time when they rap was moving towards something called horrorcore, and right. the Wu Tang's guy was uh, the Grave Diggers. Right, right. Had a bit, and then like Nas's song, I think Back to the Grill, was kind of like hmm. very horrorcore. Um, and the idea was that the lyrics were getting worse and worse. It was very short-lived. Yeah. But then we say it was short-lived, but then if you look at a lot of the mumble rappers and kind of SoundCloud rappers today, yeah. like, uh, who is it? Uh, the Raider Clan with their Space Ghost Purple stuff. They kind of had very, kind of very mm. horrorcore sound. I just think in this album, I just want to cause trouble. I just want it to be like in the press every day that something's going on. So I get like Action Bronson down because like he's just a troublemaker, right? And, that, and you know, I like his flow. I think he's, I mean, he's, he's so like, he sounds like he's never prepared a moment in his life for oh, anything yeah, he yeah, does. Yeah, never, yeah. Uh, so I definitely put him in there. I put I put Ghostface Killer in there, definitely. Oh, that would be a sick one. Yeah. Like, Intr- good choice because... He's the one yeah. solo artist I can constantly listen to from the Wu- Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. I wouldn't really pick any other solo he's albums amazing. up. His storytelling ability is incredible. And it's a good choice yeah. because I think he want, I think Tupac wanted to sign Wu-Tang. Mm. They went, to sign D- they went to sign DMX. DM- um, Death Row were going right. to sign DMX. Wow. Yeah, but it fell through. But like, there's, a love, there's like a love song he wrote. 
Ghostface on one album that's like there's one song he did with about um, All That I Want Is You with Mary J that's all one all of I the hardest ghetto ballads that, I've yeah, ever heard I mean like life. yeah that is one of the best one of the most yeah. gifted guys of all time Bad. and then obviously number five for me um, number five for me is Will Smith oh. <laughs> <laughs> of course Big Will no, but to be fair, yeah. so far as the top rapper actors that's a pretty good choice that's a good choice fair, Tupac I, I would say that would be... I would say that's not a far shout because Tupac did you know do songs with Digital Underground and if you look at yeah, Shock G, yeah. G he had yeah. that Will Smith type of style they, they, which was kind of like you know funny funk mm. and stuff like that he used to dance for them yeah he used to dance for them yeah exactly so you know that kind of style I like that man Dane you posed the question I did I did let's hear it alright I reckon Dane's been got like you know one of those no 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 those police things where he's picked all the names I need to say before you go why I didn't put Jay on the track because because Yes, I never yeah. mentioned, but because because <laughs> I put Biggie on, mm. and you know, I'm not I'm not gonna say Jay and Biggie are similar, but Jay and Biggie are similar in yeah. terms of their flow, the New York style. We're talking like Jay Z, not Jay Z, Jay yeah. Electronica, right? No, 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 Jay Z. We're talking Jay Z. No. see, there's, there's a guy there who's go. got some so serious there you go. as well. I'm, a, I'm gonna use that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so go ahead. I, I feel like so. Yeah, you bring a good point because maybe Jay Electronica, the rebirth of Tupac or his resurrection, mm. would be enough to bring Jay Electronica. Uh, mm. out of retirement or absentia or, or exile or whatever the fuck Jay Electronica is doing at the moment can we have an album please <laughs> come on the I know podcast. you listen Jay didn't, didn't talk we'll get about him on M. the podcast so yeah so Jay Electronica for both his production and uh, lyrical skills I think would be a good addition to that album uh, would uh, Kendrick mm. okay uh, because obviously Kendrick probably from the west yeah from the west and, that'd and, be a hard tune there have been uh, comparisons and obviously the level of influence because uh, his album To Pimp a Butterfly was originally going to be called To Pimp a Caterpillar, hmm. which would have abbreviated to Tupac. Right. Really? Yeah, which is why he has uh, the Tupac skit at the end, talking to um, Tupac. And mm. in um, his video, High Power, um, right. he talks about Tupac's birth and his real, his real name mm. being Lassane Perry Crooks. Lassane Parrish Crooks. Parrish Crooks, yeah. So, yeah, probably the only person who loves Tupac more than Vumbi, or as much <laughs> as would be Kendrick Lamar. So, I'd want to have... Tom Jones. <laughs> Amy Winehouse, maybe. Amy Winehouse. Yeah, nice. why not? Nah, they, yeah, nice. so have Amy on there, so that'd be, that'd, nice. that'd be good. Um, and then... That, you can you can hear, you can always feel that. And then maybe even Mac Miller. Oh. Only because he recently passed away, so I think a Mac oh. and Pack, Mac and Pack would be a, yeah. a good, a good, a good a title for a song. Yeah, and then, yeah do a great sitcom. <laughs> that'd be the video, the concept yeah. of the video would be like a sitcom. <laughs> And that, then uh, well, that sitcom I, would get really twisted really quickly. It would definitely. Get, <laughs> yeah. Am I on four now? Mm. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, you got one more. Uh, I'd probably go for Vince. You pick yourself, Vince, Dan. Vince. Just go for it. Oh, nah, Vince. <laughs> nah, I'm exec, man. I have the ego, man. Yeah. Yeah. Remember how that, that whole East Coast, West Coast thing started? Was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. producers are all up in the video. <laughs> so I, I'd probably go for Vince Staples. Right. I think Vince Staples, again, would be a good choice. Uh, he's a very unique artist, a West Coast artist who. Mm. Uh, Definitely has a lot of his uh, subject matter is about playing that line of um, leaving the streets and trying to do something and mm. having that connection <laughs> with the streets and gangbanging, but also uh, pushing for positivity and self-determination nice. amongst the diaspora. So that's why I'd go I probably put gigs on there as an honorary mention. I was going to say we ain't got uh, UK. Yeah, so UK. I was going to say Skepta. Right, gigs. Nice. Well, gigs would be a good one, but Skepta. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or that, Kano. Or even mm. Kano. How the fuck is Kano now, man? I'm really feeling Kano. Yeah, it's from East London, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, hold it down. But East I think, London flow. Yeah, but I think that yeah, that'd be a good triple CD that, that we put together. That is a great That's question. A we've album. had we've had Tupac, Will Smith, and and, and just laughter. Yes, yeah. and no Drake, guys. Shame. Yeah, Shame. well, Shame. That happens. Even it? though he's had the whole song about "Are you riding?" So they could have done the riding again. Mm. Are you riding? And then like, <laughs> who's, who's, who's down to ride? <laughs> 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 no, let me see how that. I wonder. Yeah, it's. 
I mean, yeah, a large part of hip hop discussions amongst our generation is uh, Tupac isms about how he would feel about the current state of hip hop. Mm. Um, I hate when people do that. Yeah, I know. Oh, we can't really speculate. Can't, no, but man. even like Immortal Technique would have been a good one as well, man. Do you know how many rappers you could put on? That would yeah, be I mean, it would be. There's so many. There'd be a queue around the block, right? Pretty yeah. Much. It would be, that doesn't even include the, the, uh, the online submissions from SoundCloud rappers. <laughs> from me. I'm trying to get uh, a verse in. I think I had another idea as well, like before we go, is like, so obviously, you know, with Death, Death Row, have obviously over this catalogue of songs that mm. weren't released. Right. And then you have like Motown, which is like another one of the biggest kind of independently started like black mm. labels that kind of, I guess, uh, push the sound to the world. What if we combine the two? Ooh. Do you remember when, like, remember when um, Niles Barkley did a uh, yeah, Danger Mouse album? did the uh, oh, Danger Gray Mouse. Danger Mouse. Then he formed Niles Barkley with yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember he did he did the Grey album. He did when yeah, he took, uh, the, the Beatles, white album by the Beatles and, and, and the black and album by Jay Z. I mixed yeah. them, so I was thinking I'd do the same and I'd call it Death Row Town. Oh, all I want to hear is Parker and Marvin Gaye. There you go. Look, unless Dane gets his money, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Death Row Town. It's my idea. Register trademark. Uh, yeah. We could probably end on that. Yeah, no, that's the ominous. <laughs> Death Row Town. Fumbi, thank you come, for coming on the Thanks pod. for having me, guys. Uh, before man. you go, can you plug, plug, plug? Where can we see you? At Fumbi, all the socials at Fumbi on Mateo, Instagram at Fumbi on Twitter. Check out for the shorts I'm going to be dropping soon. Mm. Yeah, we do. But yeah, man, keep supporting live comedy. Yeah. And also online comedy too now. Yeah, well, that's what, I guess that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, you keep supporting online. Keep supporting us wherever you keep see Keep supporting us. Will Smith as well, guys. Yeah, yeah no, keep supporting so we can get that tour <laughs> popping in London I can open. This is it. <laughs> thanks, thanks, man. Thank you, Fumbi. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. Hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk. Or follow him at DaneBapTweets. Our guest was Fumbi Mateo. You can follow Fumbi on Twitter at Fumbi. The show was produced by me, Howard Cohen. You can follow me at the Howard Cohen. The show was mixed. The music was by Faye Saki. Thanks to Polly and Gelly. Thanks for listening. And remember, question everything. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.